Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Abracadabra, it's Eric Roberts is the fucking man Redux, once again the world's only Eric Roberts related podcast, I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is Big Daddy Liam O'Donnell, how are you doing today Liam? I'm pretty good Doug, you know, it's it's spring kind of, I, I, I mean look, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm used to being from... Uh, originally from like what is that the mid Atlantic region I'm from I don't I don't know what the term for it is closer to Philadelphia I'm used to spring kind of happening a little more intensely by now things starting to get a little sweaty and now that I'm in the Chicagoland area uh, it's still a little chilly Doug the the other night it flurried overnight and it's May so that's like that's not my vibe that's not something I'm used to it's fine I'm not being judgmental I'm just not used to this sort of uh, let's call it uh, Arctic light it's just I not love- really my thing. I love, Liam, that you can't help but mention a date in these recordings, even though they inevitably make that's it more true. difficult for no, me. No, that's true. That's <laughs> when true. I'm that's releasing fair. it m- much later. But no, I, th- I think it'll still be uh, appropriate. I mean, after all, you are near Chicago, known as, yes. the, as the Windy City. Yes, yes, that is what it's called. Apparently, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know. It seems windy. It's. I don't know. I don't. Here's the thing. Like I, you know, there's a. I don't know if you know this, Doug, but <laughs> recently there was a world event that made it somewhat uncomfortable to go to cities, uh, let alone any populated area. Liam, so, you guys shut the fuck up because it's uh, it's weather talk, and even even compared to our usual discussions, it's a little boring. Our guest today is a director and writer, amongst other talents, who can be found on Twitter at D Day Films. It's Jeremy Herbert. How you doing? Jeremy pretty good uh it's warm enough down here in sunny Florida to count as uh, permanent summer but I, I I'm feeling spring my face feels like spring with the sinus stuff Jeremy how do you feel when people mock Florida for the quality of the human beings that exist within it uh it annoys me mm-hmm. it's it's a tough uh line in the sand to to stand behind but it, it annoys me because it is just kind of a geographic place Right, and it's it strikes me. Um, I'm not going to get too too high atop my horse here, but it mm-hmm. strikes me as an odd oversight when that's kind of something you're not supposed to do is just make aspersions or assumptions about an entire region or or sure. place. When Florida is just kind of agreed, like, oh well, yeah, but that's a punchline. That's fine. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, do we have the best person running it? No. Uh, you know, do we have the best news headlines? No. Um, but we have a lot of palm trees. The weather's very nice. Uh, there are plenty of kind people. I'd like to think I'm one of them. Uh, be nice to Florida, please. You know what else you have down there, Jeremy? Do you have the happiest place on earth? Disney World. We do. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about a half an hour outside of it, but uh, I still appreciate the traffic. Jeremy, are you a Disney adult? Um, no. That's a it's it's a loaded question. You know. Uh, you know why I ask though? It's because I've heard of this word. Uh, Liam, have you heard about this chuggy? You heard about this word chuggy? 
I thought I told you about Chugi. I am very familiar with Chugi. <laughs> this is that we've just revealed one that for you that your wife is into TikTok, and for me that I am into TikTok because Chugi is eating up the TikTok world. Jeremy, have you heard about this Chugi? I've seen it spelled out, and that was enough for me to decide I don't need to know what it is. Yeah, well, <laughs> be that as it may, now that we've brought it up, we got to explain what it is. Liam, why don't you explain it since you're a TikTok guy? Uh, Gen Z has decided on a number of aspects of millennial culture they find embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. and the term for all of those embarrassing millennial things is chuggy, and that mm. can range from totally surface things like uh, side parts and, and super tight pants to... <laughs> Actual weird things like uh, skinny people making TikToks about how they gained all this five pounds over the <laughs> pandemic, and now they have to lose the five pounds before ba- you know bathing suit season. As if like the world isn't currently obsessed with curves or something. So like the chuggy comes to be like anything a millennial does that someone younger than them thinks is dumb becomes chuggy basically. And one of the things I heard was Chuggy were, were Disney adults. But now I feel like I've, I've set you up a little bit, Jeremy. Could you please continue about your love of Disney? <laughs> wow. You set me up more by explaining that you set me up. Um, uh-huh. So the the full disclosure is that I, I work tangentially in the theme park industry. Oh. Um, I've done some freelance show writing for one of the big two. Um was it the Waterworld stunt show? Uh, I wish. I mm. truly wish. Um, <laughs> you know, it's an easy punchline, but that is probably pound for pound the most uh, popular or, or profitable stunt show in any theme park in history. They're Amazing. building a new one in Beijing. Um, <laughs> and I, I appreciate theme parks as, a, as a, an experiential medium, as a storytelling medium. Um, Obviously, it, it tempers and changes as you get older as a kid. You know, Pirates of the Caribbean is, is the height of, of life. There's nothing more exciting than that. Uh, you know, getting older, I, I understand more of the economics behind it and stuff. I appreciate Disney. I, I go there when I can. Uh, obviously, not recently for uh, a biohazard concerns. But mm-hmm. it, it all comes down to a, a company thing. My feeling is this, is that right now, it sounds like I'm giving some sort of uh, you know state of the company right now. Um, the Disney adult thing spooks me because that company kind of presents itself and the parks present themselves not as a, a vacation or a way to spend a weekend, but a lifestyle. Yes. And plenty of people go for it. Uh, clearly, that's why we're talking about Disney adult as its own class of human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it that unsettles me. Because it does, it does overstate what is actually going on. If you want to be a kid and love it that much, that's great. If you want to go as an adult because you have fun, that's great. If if you have more than five bumper stickers on your vehicle, refer with mouse ears or or any adjacent character, um, that I might steer slightly clear of you. That's just me being honest. Because it's uh yeah, it's concerning to me the Disney adult phenomenon a little bit, but I do think they're, they're probably picked on a little too much, little too much. I would say, you know, Jeremy, I was reading an article recently, very high quality article from a gentleman who says that Disney world has gotten a little too woke. Yeah. That's a bit of a problem. I'm concerned about it. I also read on Twitter once that if you, uh, if you get woke, you go broke. What do you think about that? Um, I don't think there's anything uh, on God's green earth short of the very end of it. 
that will make the Disney Corporation, quote, <laughs> go broke. Um, I, I'm well aware of that article because uh, the journalistic entity that approved the editorial uh, clearly knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't have much sympathy for the man who wrote it. However, I do feel bad that they clearly threw yeah. him to the wolves. They they for knew the sake yeah, of clicks. One hundred percent. They they were like, "This is going to make people so angry." Jeremy, you're here today to talk about the great actor Eric Roberts, uh, <laughs> legendary performer, uh, very prolific actor. I want to know when was the first time in your life that you were aware that Eric Roberts was an actor, and what are some of your favorite Eric Roberts roles? Racking my brain, the first time I probably saw him was actually on an episode of the Drew Carey show. Right. Um, at the time, I probably did not realize that he was Eric Roberts because uh, he was a guest star and there was the the, the applause that comes along with such an honor. Uh, <laughs> but to me, it's like, okay, here's another guy. Um, and, you know, it's a Cleveland institution where I'm from. So, of course, you treat that with respect and that kind of sat in my head beyond those, those auspicious bounds. Um, probably one of the first movies I saw him in had to be a TV airing of the specialist. Interesting. Thinking about my general input intake of movies, uh, from when I was younger, also today, nothing has changed. Uh, but now I just watched the full cut on Tubi of the specialist. Um, but I, I came to know him as, as sort of a clutch hitter, character actor and, mm-hmm. and he's you know no one rides the line between uh, uh sultry and and surly like eric roberts does and as i as i grew as a filmmaker historian scholar whatever you want to call it person who watches too many movies i worked backwards and, and the blanks started filling in and i also started seeing in more places like the dark knight and uh inherent vice and these kind of odd places if i had to go with my favorite Eric Roberts movie probably have to be Runaway Train. Pound for pound, that's just a. I don't know if any movie is perfect, but for what that movie is, for what it does, for what it wants to do, it's it's functionally flawless, and he's a he's a very good part of it. Um, anyone who is not, uh, have you guys talked about it yet? <laughs> yes, I mean I, I I don't mean to laugh. It's only because one of the things that we often say is if it's an Eric Roberts movie that you're likely to have heard about, then we covered it probably in the first twenty episodes. And a Liam was not was not a part of the show in the first uh, twenty episodes, so he had to catch up with basically all of Eric Roberts' most well known movies. But b you know <laughs> we burned through them fairly quickly because at that point we were doing two movies per episode, which was an untenable thing to do, especially asking. <laughs> Asking guests to watch two movies for every episode. Well, then you understand. Uh, <laughs> Runaway Train is a very good movie. Uh, listen to that episode, anyone who is not, and then go find <laughs> Runaway Train. Um, it's one of the few genuinely unimpeachable movies put out by the Canon Film Group. But uh, that's that's where I am with Eric Roberts. I think the, the last time I saw him in something uh, as a surprise and also uh, delivering on that surprise was his one episode of Justify. Mm-hmm. And in that one, he kind of plays without spoiling anything, he almost plays an older uh, reflection of the main character played by Timothy Oliphant. He's another ranger type in a different town who's kind of burned out and kind of past his prime. It's a very interesting role performance. I wish they would have done more with it in, in following episodes, but it's great. It's a nice little surprise if you make it that far into the show. We have. Uh, we will eventually cover uh, the episode of Justify. Actually, Liam, why will we be covering that? We have a blood oath. 
We made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, so we will have to eventually cover everything, though. One of the things that happens is, as the years go by and those projects mount up, it kind of means, Liam, and this is kind of a uh, side positive to the work that we do, is that we will both live to be ripe old ages because we'll need to uh, to cover the work of Eric Roberts. Pretty yeah. Pretty exciting. I mean, I figure I'll be dead and you'll just be talking to my corpse. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that's what it's like on the show anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what, Doug? <laughs> Liam, enough of all these jokes. We need to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux. And we continue with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I think that you should. He's been tweeting up a storm. Actually, Liam, this is an exciting thing. Over the past month, since we uh, last recorded an episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, there's been so much Eric Roberts news. It's actually a little overwhelming. I had to kind of pick and choose, not something I normally have to do when putting together these uh, news segments. So there's been a lot of Eric Roberts news, which we'll get to as we continue through the Roberts Report, but we'll touch on it a little bit with some of these Eric Roberts tweets. Liam, did you know that Eric Roberts is on Cameo? Uh, Yes, I did know that. Well, did you know that uh, he gets a lot of requests on Cameo for stories from the set of Best of the Best? On May 9th, Eric Roberts tweeted, Simon, at the Simon Ree, star of Best of the Best and Best of the Best 2, have you watched any of my at-book cameos? I bet you haven't. <laughs> One of the most oft-requested stories is from Best of the Best, and I always speak about you. Seems like Eric Roberts wants another Simon Ree team up here. Also, the suggestion... That Simon should be watching his cameos to see what Eric Roberts is up to. Jeremy, are you a fan of the best of the best uh, a franchise? Uh, I mean, it's it's not on my uh, in the pantheon of of martial arts for me, but uh, I do I do respect it. Um, I think it's what is in that pantheon that you keep mentioning. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I keep mentioning it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's a lot of JCVD. You have Bloodsport, uh, somewhere near the top, Kickboxer. Um, Lionheart. <laughs> uh, sure. That's probably somewhere near best of the best. Uh, but it, to me, best of the best is sort of a, a great example of the, of the late 80s, early 90s flood of any, any fit actor uh, who's, who's somewhat charismatic can do it. Eric Roberts being one of the best. Uh, in both categories to to take up that mantle. I would like to see another one. Uh, if it sounds like I'm being uh, careful about my praise, uh, no, I'm not a proud man. I would gladly watch another one. So so the, the pantheon that you're talking about stars Jean-Claude Van Damme, your favorite martial arts performer. Yes. So um, you would like to see Jean-Claude Van Damme and Eric Roberts team up a little bit. I'm actually kind of surprised that happened has not happened more often. I was about to say, like, you, I mean, you, I'm talking to the experts. That's the never foremost happened. Eric Roberts expert. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, you you would have thought that it would have happened in like an Expendables movie, but obviously Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, not a. Did he ever join that franchise? Well, yeah. The funny thing is, like, they're they're classmates because Eric Roberts is the bad guy in the first Expendables. Right. Jean Claude's the bad guy in the second Expendables. Well, there you go. I never saw the second one because Eric Roberts wasn't in it. So it it feels like that is where they've closely. 
uh, that closely could have, yeah, but of course it wouldn't have made sense because they were both villains. Liam, can you remember? I don't think we've ever seen a Jean-Claude Van Damme, Eric Roberts film. No, I I don't think so because we've covered most of the very sort of action yeah. uh, Eric Roberts movies and none of them have JCVD in them. Um, you know what's also actually even a little stranger than that is we haven't seen an Eric Roberts, Steven Seagal movie. No, well... Outside of Best of the Best, which you could say was a few people, the only person I can imagine I, I can easily think of Eric Roberts teaming up with was Stallone for, right? Isn't he for in the a specialist? Movie? Yep. Yeah, for the specialist. That's it. A lot of his action movies, it's just him. Like mm. he doesn't. Uh, again, it, it's obviously, we did see him team up with wrestler Randy Orton. Oh, that's true. <laughs> 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 what what a great wide world the uh, filmography of Eric Roberts is. Hey, it's it's not too late. We could very well see a film team up with both Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, any day now. Uh, speaking of famous action-oriented actors, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Rosie O'Donnell? Uh, you, you know, you've really put me on the spot. My I already my brain had started to answer what I thought about <laughs> Steven Seagal. Uh huh. Um, what do you think about Steven Seagal, Jeremy? <laughs> I've I've been on a kick uh, in in this the the late stages of this quarantine. Uh, Is it a karate kick? It, well, yeah, I don't know what you call what Steven Seagal does. The, okay. Well, the problem is that you know he's an Aikido master. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's an invalid martial art. It's not. However, it's one of the least involving to watch on screen. And that was that's kind of the problem with Steven Seagal as a performer is that the the main moves, it's him. It's almost like putting the the bottom of his palms together, and then just spinning, and then the the person he's attacking flips, and that's what ninety percent <laughs> of his movies, his action scenes, that's what they are. Yep. Um, and, I mean, he's not, he's a terrible human being. I don't think yes. I'm I'm surprising anyone. He is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's about to take a turn. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm surprising. Uh, what not, the the first decade of his career, from Above the Law to The Patriot, I've been digging into, uh, and it's fascinating to me as a as a sociological study of a man who thinks so much of himself. He believes he's a movie star, and then provides very little evidence of him <laughs> being a movie star. Until the point where he just controls his own destiny and like makes his own movies by the the guidelines of what he believes he can do best. So there are only like three good Steven Seagal movies, and then interesting ones and bad ones. And so I've been digging in. Uh, he fascinates me. I, I don't think he's uh, a good actor or or anything, but uh, he fascinates me. Jeremy, I really do want to talk about Rosie O'Donnell, but I do feel obligated to ask you what are the three great steven seagal films i would say above the law and mm-hmm. under siege both directed by andrew davis which is That's not right. a coincidence and then you kind of get a freebie depending on what you like out of it someone could could claim one of the films that he kind of spearheaded is yet i would say uh out for justice is probably the third good one because it's him trying to make a serious movie and failing miserably but it's it's the there's the most meat on that bone if you're watching something to not just be a seagal movie i'm not including executive decision because that's a, a bait and switch steven seagal movie and it's mm-hmm. a good kurt russell movie more than it's a steven seagal movie liam rosie o'donnell sure great actress uh talk show host okay 
Your thoughts. Uh, Eric Roberts on May 7th tweeted, she simply brilliantly can do anything. He's referring to the great Rosie O'Donnell. Is that true? Is Rosie O'Donnell the most multifaceted actor in Hollywood? I have no strong opinion on that. I, I seem to remember there being Rosie O'Donnell performances in films that I enjoyed. That's my memory of it, that, that I like Rosie O'Donnell. But if you said, okay, well, give me her top five, I don't remember. I, can't re- I cannot remember a single specific thing that I like her in, and I never once have watched her show, which is not on anymore, right? That's Her, her that's, talk show? I believe it hasn't been on for probably 20 years. <laughs> there you go. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't have a strong opinion when it comes to Rosie O'Donnell. I probably have... Um, I probably have more positive memories of Ricky uh, Ricky Lake than I do of Rosie O'Donnell. Why is that then? Uh, hairspray. Hmm, fair enough. Liam, one of the really exciting things that's happened over the last month or so is that Eric Roberts has made his return to Grey's Anatomy. I, we watched uh, a while ago. You might remember this, Liam. We yeah. watched an episode of Grey's Anatomy completely separated from the entire rest of the series with no context whatsoever. Thankfully, we had a guest that was able to provide us a little bit of that context. Um, it still was very confusing, but we did realize, <laughs> if I remember correctly, that Jesse Williams, who's an actor who was on Grey's Anatomy, his father was played by Eric Roberts. Jesse Williams is leaving. He's leaving this popular series, Grey's Anatomy, and on his uh, episode, his final episode, they brought back this father character again, played by Eric Roberts. Hmm. Uh, Jeremy, your thoughts on Grey's Anatomy, the long-running dramatic television series? You just told me more than I already knew about Grey's Anatomy. It's about a hospital. That Yep. I mean, that, that I had in my defense. <laughs> uh, I know plenty of people that uh, watch it. I don't know if many of them are still watching it, but I know plenty of people who watch it. Honestly, the fact that Eric Roberts is in, is he in a grand total of two episodes? Is two episodes. This was a, the second episode. I believe the last episode was like four or five seasons ago. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's a legitimate selling point to me to to establish just how little I know about this show. Well, uh, Eric was uh, good enough to live tweet his appearance on the show. So obviously, very exciting in the Roberts household. I mean, eventually Liam and I will watch it, but uh, it is, it's not exactly first on my list simply because I feel like I wouldn't be able to understand what was going on. But we do wish the best to Jesse Williams, one of the featured players on Grey's Anatomy. On May 1st, Eric Roberts uh, was responding to Tony Luca on Twitter who said, that second dose is a doozy, very likely referring to the second dose of the vaccine that's uh, being used to combat the uh, ongoing pandemic in the entire world right now. Eric Roberts responded, right? True. But any physical discomfort from the vaccine, uh, Mama Liza Roberts, his wife, says, is like labor. When in the end you get a baby, you could smile at all that discomfort and pain. Hashtag worth it. Sounds to me like Eric Roberts is very pro-vaccine, which I like to see. Uh, Liam O'Donnell, you've gotten the second vaccine. Is mm-hmm. it like being in labor? Or I should say, was it like being in labor? <laughs> For me, no. Most definitely was not. I had almost no negative reaction to the second dose. Right. Well, I mean, you're a propagandist when it comes to this sort of thing. Let's move over to someone who might have a different perspective. <laughs> Jeremy, have you been vaccinated or are you very concerned about the possibility that this vaccine has not been tested properly or it could give you blood clots or it might be some sort of mind control thing or perhaps that the pandemic itself is one big uh, lie and that it's not actually existing at all? 
Uh, well, I've, I've got my second shot, and it felt like oh. getting hit by a Mack truck. So mm. I agree with Eric Roberts. I'm proud to say. Do you think it's hashtag worth it? Oh, it, absolutely. Um, my, there, you know, why would you gamble with this kind of thing? Uh, recently on April 26th, uh, Ken Olin, at Ken Olin number one on, uh, on Twitter wrote, I'm sorry, but as long as there are millions of human beings starving to death, I don't believe anyone needs personal wealth in excess of a billion dollars. Come on, that's obscene. Eric Roberts retweeted that and added, a no-brainer. Eric Roberts does not like the concept of billionaires. Liam, I know that you are a capitalist, so you probably are very, <laughs> you're big on the idea of billionaires. No, I, I'm being somewhat facetious here, Liam, but you, obviously you, uh, you are a punk, a straight-edge punk. Uh, you don't like billionaires either, just like Eric Roberts. What do you think about this? Is Eric Roberts uh, aligning with your political philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it's pretty. I don't think it's as controversial as it once was to say it's weird that people have so much money that even if they wanted to spend it, it's unclear that they mathematically could. You know, like we're getting to the point where there are some folks who like. If they wanted to spend it only on personal items, it's unclear that the manufacturing capabilities of the planet are able to produce enough personal items for them to spend all that money. That's like Liam, Liam sorry to interrupt you, but counterpoint, why yeah. should I be punished simply because I'm good at business? Mm, that's a good that's a very good point. I'm so compelled by that. Um but I, so I think it's I think that idea is pretty popular. I, I don't know that people are willing to go much further than that. And I don't know how effective it is to say, like, everything that we do is still as cutthroat as it always is. But if you win the game to this extent, we are going to penalize you just a little bit. I, I think like there has to be a, a little bit more of a conversation about like, isn't it kind of unfair top to bottom? Like, yes, obviously, these folks seem to maybe be really uh exacerbating how unfair it is but i'm not sure that it's fair at any one point let alone when we're talking about like an elon musk or a jeff bezos or whatever mm -hmm. jeremy uh your thoughts on whether we should have billionaires on the planet <laughs> you know i i think um one is probably too many uh mm. i and, and here's the the catch this is kind of what you were already talking about there's there's an invisible line i'm not expert enough to know and this i don't know how anyone would figure it out to where if you have money past x point there's no way within the natural bounds uh of society that you've made it without uh funding or personally inflicting deep human rights violations mm -hmm. you know be that uh abusing a factory somewhere in the third world or buying up and and destroying communities gentrifying etc to get some some more expensive housing in you cannot get to a certain level of rich without being an active menace mm -hmm. to your fellow man that's kind of my feeling about it if if you could if you could say like amazon is worth blah blah, blah hundreds of billions of dollars and subsequently, employees at Amazon are all financially stable. Some of them are millionaires, uh, you know, who work at the factories and stuff. That might like be more compelling. But knowing that, like, you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon are worth this many billion dollars, and this percentage of their employees are on public assistance because they don't make enough money to live, is like, you know, sort of makes you think like eh, something doesn't work here. Something just isn't isn't functioning properly. Liam, I have a it question for you. Sorry, just for a second, Jeremy. This is just a theoretical. Uh, Liam, if you could push a button, 
Uh-huh. And when you push that button, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and Elon Musk and other billionaires are put up against the wall, shot in the head, and then their uh, wealth is then distributed to the world. Uh, is that a button that you would push? I feel like you're setting me up for not even just like mean letters or emails, but uh, I, I think this might be a crime to even talk about at this point. You, I mean, you don't necessarily know that that's what the button's going to do, but would you push it? All I'm saying is, look, <laughs> let's say I'm let's say I'm looking to invest some money, but you know, a, a, God forbid, a relative dies. I've got a little bit of money. I'm going to cryptocurrency. Invest, is where I'm going to I'm going to invest it ethically, and oh. I see there's a new corporation that specializes in guillotines i'm thinking about investing that's all i'm saying jeremy please continue um why well, did you just spoil one of the the traps in the new saw movie that's what this <laughs> sounds like um, uh, i mean i don't i don't fully remember where i was going the the point just being like i what is what is the tangible point of having so much money the human brain cannot reasonably imagine it no one can imagine what one billion is you know, we just think it's a lot of millions, which is true, but it's it's almost physically impossible to to think of any amount of something as a billion. Like it's it's unnatural. Arriving as somewhat of a surprise recently on the Lifetime Network, at least for Liam and myself, was a fourth stocked by my doctor film. Yes, the favorite franchise of the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast. Uh, the stocked by my doctor series. We just recently had a new one called Just What the Doctor Ordered, and simply, uh, probably because Stocked by My Doctor wasn't in the title, we were taken by surprise. Um, this is from the same director as Stocked by My Doctor, A Sleepwalker's Nightmare, Jeff Hare. This entry in the series also features an appearance by Eliza Roberts. The plot is, having escaped from the psychiatric prison, Dr. Albert Beck hides out in an empty house until its new owners move in. Forced into the attic to evade the widowed mother, Beck watches from above, attracted to her young daughter. Sounds creepy. Sounds appropriate for the Stock by My Doctor series. Uh, stay tuned. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We will, we'll of course, be covering the new Stock by My Doctor film soon. Liam, I have heard that laid-back Beck is also in this film. Must be very exciting for you. A new Stock by My Doctor film. If we can guarantee that the quality is going back to some of the earlier movies, yeah, I cannot I would, guarantee that not whatsoever. <laughs> right, and that's that's my that's my worry is or or we'll go to a new level. Let's let's all be clear that sometimes franchises go through dips and then they come back even more ridiculous. Maybe that's what's going to happen here. Maybe they've gone so off the wall that this thing is just like a giant hilarious mess. I'd be into that as well. Gentlemen, I had both of you watch the trailer for the upcoming movie Nightwalk. Liam, did you watch this trailer? Oh, I did. Okay, so this is a modern-day Romeo and Juliet episode. It's going to be released on June 13th, 2021. Uh, A film that features both uh, Eric Roberts, the great Eric Roberts, and Mickey Rourke reuniting uh, from Hope of Greenwich Village film from the mid-'80s. Uh, they've actually reunited several times since then, but they're together. Well, maybe not even together. They're in the same film, let's say, Nightwalk, coming up. Uh, Jeremy, your thoughts on the trailer for Nightwalk? I uh, I didn't read any of the description. In no way, shape, or form did I understand this as a Romeo and Juliet <laughs> story. The trailer does not make it clear. That is for sure. You know, the, there's, there's a certain level of, of uh, indie film that I'm I'm very acquainted with. This certainly looks like one of them. I give it credit. It made it seem, whatever the reality, that Mickey Rourke shows up often and, and uh, you know, commits. You know, one of the things about when Mickey Rourke... <laughs> it's a very concise way to d- describe that, by the way. Um, when Mickey Rourke shows up, 
lately. People mock his appearance a little, Jeremy, and I, I think that's somewhat unfair. He is a very uh, unique-looking individual, but he's also has cultivated a uh, image that seems to be very consistent throughout his career. And honestly, I love him on social media. He's on Instagram. He seems to be a pretty amusing, interesting guy. He isn't hurting anybody, uh, not like he may have in the past. But Mickey Rourke as an actor, Jeremy, what do you think about Mickey Rourke? Uh, Mickey Rourke is great. It's a very yes. interesting... I don't want to call it like a downturn. It, it, he's, there's an arc to his career. He's kind of... Uh, he kind of does the Travolta thing of, of disappearing for a while and then something sparks and then he, he's in everything for a, a few years and then he kind of fades off again. I just watched uh, Angel Heart the other day mm. um, and White Sands and uh, earlier in all this I watched the Double Team. Is that the... The uh, Van Damme, Dennis yeah, Rodman. Right. Van Damme, Dennis Rodman, double team, where they uh, protect themselves against flames with the help of a, uh, a pop uh, uh, soda machine. Yes, yes. Uh, and at the end, they, uh, Van Damme and Rourke fight a tiger, I believe it is. <laughs> um, and in that one, like he's already kind of uh, uh, transforming. I think that's right as he was getting into boxing and... and right. You know, he's no longer the pretty boy, but he's this this wiry, muscled force of nature. And then you have the wrestling stuff like that. I, I never count him out. Uh, I, I don't often seek him out in things, but I've never seen something he's in where he's not at least a highlight of it. Uh, it's always a shame, I thought, that he did not come back for the other Expendable movies. He's It's such a strange presence he brings to the first one. Mickey Rourke gave us the title of this very podcast, Liam. You might recall that. Um, and so without him, we wouldn't be here. So we always have to give credit to the great Mickey Rourke. Liam, your thoughts on Nightwalk? I mean, I guess we're going to have to watch it. We will watch it, yes. But what did you think of the trailer? Seems like uh, Mickey Rourke's in prison. He's going to help this gentleman uh, maneuver through prison. Or maybe he's a bad guy. Hard to tell from the trailer, to be totally yeah. honest. Uh, <laughs> Every shot of Eric Roberts, he looked confused and upset, and that made me concerned that I wasn't going to enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, it's fine. I don't know. The, the 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 as much as the trailer is very excited to let you know that Eric Roberts is in the movie, although you only see him for quick seconds, looking upset. Uh, but more focus on Mickey Rourke, which is you know a positive. I I I don't know that I enjoy him as much as y'all but I, but I do think he's pretty good. The the trailer is very much wants you to know how important its star is. Someone who I've never heard of and doesn't seem to be doing <laughs> anything interesting during the trailer that I should care about. So the fact that the trailer is like this guy's really fucking great. I'm like, is he though? I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sold on that. For a modern day Romeo and Juliet film, I can't recall the Juliet from the trailer. I'm sure she was in there. It, uh, the, the, certainly the trailer doesn't focus much on her. But I mean, I think there's always potential for. I love prison movies. I like watching Mickey Rourke help someone maneuver through the prison system. Could be interesting, Liam. I think you are being very pessimistic regarding Nightwalk, which is coming out in June. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you're right. I should be really stoked. Jeremy, Godzilla versus Kong. That is correct. Uh, it is a movie. I watched it. Mm -hmm. um, it it felt to me. I'm not the. I was never the biggest fan of of the MonsterVerse cycle. I see. Um, okay. I like King Kong. I like Godzilla, but uh, I think Kong Skull Island was the most fun to me. Um, sure. Godzilla versus Kong felt like the first movie of that cycle that actually was required to be a sequel and didn't just kind of start over on its own terms. And I appreciate that they 
more or less decided the mythology thus far was mostly nonsense and they can just go completely off the deep end into conspiracy theories uh, like the Hollow Earth, which is just true and full of King Kongs in this universe. If you are a listener who enjoyed Godzilla vs. Kong, you will almost certainly love a recent mockbuster that is a uh, a film that is meant to intentionally imitate certain elements of blockbuster movies. A mockbuster called Ape vs. Monster. And this film is even better than Godzilla vs. Kong because it features Eric Roberts. We watched the trailer for this as well. Liam O'Donnell, Ape vs. Monster. Yeah. Jeremy, Ape vs. Monster. <laughs> <laughs> it looks I mean it looks like it looks like uh it looks like all of their movies. It looks like every single one of these mockbuster Johns that just How do you like, mean? Bad. It looks very bad. Mm. Um the CG looks uh just like at this point, I assume that that's part of the fun, though, is that no one on the movie's like, I don't know, I think this time we're really going to crack it. I assume that they're all like, no, 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 it could look bad. It's fine. Just get it done. Right? It doesn't matter. Mm. Um, there, There isn't a ton of Eric Roberts in it, but he is in the film from from the trailer. Maybe from he's trailer? in more of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say, unlike some of the other trailers for these movies I've seen, people seem to be really acting in this one. Like, they're really like, yo. Who is is that what you took away from this trailer? <laughs> I we I here's the thing. These movies people always seem to have just shown up and not really sure why they're there. Yeah. Sometimes the trailers betray that. Like you're watching a trailer and someone's like, I don't know, there's a monster or whatever. And you're like, come on, man, you gotta at least have someone yelling in the trailer. Sure, sure, sure. This trailer at least has all the scenes where someone is yelling or doing something like Hey, I'm in a movie. You know, like that's cool. There's a, there was at least no shot in the trailer where someone was talking like they wish that they weren't in a movie right now. So that's like kind of a, a I'd say a step up from some of their other movies. Listeners, if you're not sure if you want to check out Ape versus Monster, maybe this will sell you on it. It's directed by Daniel Lusco, a prolific uh, director of faith-based garbage. Also directed the 2020 film Top Gunner. Also featuring Eric Roberts, which was meant to coincide with the release of a recent Top Gun movie, which ended up getting pushed back. Top Gunner did not. So it's just out there as a movie called Top Gunner from the year 2020. Also featuring Eric Roberts. Liam, I'm not going to say that they just shot Eric Roberts uh, footage for one movie and then used it in two, but it's fully possible. We've seen that before, haven't we? Oh, yes. That happens a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a shockingly large amount of time. And we're when I look at the list of films that are upcoming for Eric Roberts on his IMDb page, I wonder sometimes if any of those are just cameos that have been inserted into films. I guess we'll see as they come out over the next four to ten years. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2021's Mr. Birthday, directed by Dan Hunter, who also helmed the 2020 dog spy movie Agent Toby Barks. Uh, here's the plot summary. While working his maintenance job at an upscale hotel, Barry encounters the mysterious Mr. J. He introduces Barry to the International Birthday Network, an agency that helps children across the globe suffering from miserable birthdays. Uh, produced by Tom DiNucci, who we've heard before, Liam, because he both featured and uh, was the director of the classic Self Storage. It actually reunites Eric Roberts, who plays the character Ricky, with his Stocked by My Doctor Patience Revenge co-star Anna Marie Dobbins, Mr. Birthday from the director of Agent Toby Barks. Jeremy, your thoughts? I, you know, you might have you might have finally caught me. I, I don't even know. 
uh, how to come at this. I think is Agent Toby Barks a sequel or a now, spinoff to Agent this Cody is Banks? Excellent question that you're asking. Excellent question. I when I first heard of Agent Toby Barks, which is probably about six months ago, uh, I posited that same question out into the universe. Did not hear an answer back. If it's not, it does use a lot of the same iconography from the Agent uh, uh, Cody Banks. For those who don't know what that is, that was a brief series. I believe it starred Frankie Munez from the Malcolm in the middle series uh it's i guess a child secret agent in this case it's a dog that did not answer your question but it's all the information i have <laughs> i mean it, it was an answer for some reason i i have a feeling that dean kane was an agent toby barks i have no reason to think that but i have a, mm. a feeling is is mr birthday a, a starring role for eric roberts uh, i would suggest that he is not the star boy you know what i'm looking at now uh, the voice of Agent Toby Barks. This will make everyone pretty excited. John Lovitz. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Those were uh, it's very stinks. different reactions. <laughs> By my book. Uh, and uh, Dean Kane is indeed in Agent Toby Barks. Mm -hmm. Liam, will we be checking out 2021's Mr. Birthday? Yeah, we have a blood oath. It sucks. Whatever. We made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, and one of the films included in that blood oath is 1999's Facade, which is the film we're here to talk about today. Before we take our break, got to ask you, Jeremy, what made you choose Facade for us to watch? So when um, you know when I accepted the call and uh -huh. you uh, you told me to pick an Eric Roberts movie. Um, I went to the one repository I knew would have plenty of them, which is Tubi. <laughs> and I searched his name and I started clicking around and I, I tried to weed out any recent indie movies because I knew there might be, you know, one scene with him. And I didn't want that. If I'm going to do this, uh, if I'm going to share momentarily in this blood oath, I want as full effect as I can get. Uh, and this seemed to be one of the few I found that, he was top billed and appeared to be in it for no small amount of time, and you had not covered before. That's mm -hmm. as much work as I put into this. Well, I mean, that's honestly, you've put more work than a lot of our guests would have because we have been stuck by that exact situation that you mentioned. A, a recent film that may have looked interesting, but did feature minimal Eric Roberts. I will say the one positive thing that I'm willing to say at this moment about 1999's Facade is that it is an Eric Roberts mostly starring movie. So there's plenty to talk about. And speaking of that, let's take our first break. When we return, we're going to talk about 1999's Facade. We'll be right back. Well, mister? Uh, call me Colin. Last souls are our business, Colin. Catholicism does have the best forgiveness program all the major religions, with the exception of you know, Buddhism, and Taoism, <clears throat> Southern Baptist. But let me tell you one thing, Sister Chloe. Forgiveness is a big factor in what I think I'm about to tell you. Forgiveness is my business. It's a good line to be in. While Carolyn Keller is away on business, Hitman gunned down her wealthy husband and his mistress. 
Carolyn realizes she is the next target. Sure, that's pretty much the plot of 1999's Facade, a.k.a. Death Valley, directed by Carl Colpert, uh, who's an American film director and founder of Cineville, which is the production company behind this movie. Uh, he actually, I guess, worked with uh, Roger Corman early in his career, which might explain why Carl co-wrote this movie which, with Lance Smith, the writer of Munchies, the wonderful uh, film Munchies, as well as Wizards of the Lost Kingdom 2 and Barbarian Queen 2. Uh Usually on this, we talk about a film being star-studded. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of recognizable faces in Facade, including, of course, Eric Roberts playing the Colin Wentworth character. Angus McFadden, uh, who you may recognize from Braveheart, is in here. Uh, Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. A lot of familiar faces, but whether they get a lot of screen time, well, that's uh, that's it's kind of uh, remains to be seen when we talk about it, I guess. Uh, let's start with our guest today. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on this very strange film, 1999's Facade? Well, I have a very long Google Doc um, titled mm. only Eric Roberts about my thoughts on this movie. But what you what you just said about the director, it puts everything in a much more uh, sensible light because this, I, I have tremendous respect for Roger Corman and the way he makes movies. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not necessarily in, in quality. I, I trust he would, he would still make a better product. Uh, but in in content, this does feel like if Roger Corman tried to make a ripoff of a mid to late '90s Tarantino movie, mm -hmm. I you read that uh, uh, synopsis, uh -huh. I did too. It took me half to two thirds through the movie to understand what any of those words meant in context. <laughs> It's it's hard to come at this thing. It's oh, uh, yes. it's kind of like a, a faded Rorschach test because just when you think you get it, you're like, oh no, maybe it's just drawn wrong. Um, one of the first things that that hit me is this is not this is not going to be an easy ride for for reasons I don't understand and still don't. Um, in like one of the first scenes, uh, Eric Roberts is in, and he is in this. He's, I would say, the main character, despite yeah, the synopsis I would say not that. making mm -hmm. him the main character. He says a very common word incorrectly, just so another character who's French can correct him. And is that word he is French? complicit. Complicit, that's the word I was trying to, to remember. Uh, Eric Roberts says complicate. <laughs> he pulled a Liam O'Donnell on that one. Stop. He's like a, a, a real estate mogul. <laughs> So it's not like he's an idiot, you know, and I'm not saying anyone who mispronounces that word is an idiot, but it's complicit. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he says complicate. So a strange Frenchman who dresses occasionally like Napoleon can correct him. Uh, and that happens a couple times where someone will say a phrase that's pretty ordinary, but they'll say it wrong just to give someone else a retort. And it slowly makes you feel unhinged. That's That was my first warning. I don't know at what point either of you were concerned. I'm assuming you were concerned. I, I, it's safe to be concerned right from the beginning at this point in the history of Eric Roberts as the fucking man. So there was a lot of concern. My biggest concern, and it's something we'll talk about in just a moment, is when we started hitting sequences where dialogue was drowned out entirely by loud sounds. And I'm not saying that as a technical problem with the movie intentionally there are sequences where 
loud uh, airplane noises or chainsaw noises are overlaid so you can't hear what the characters are saying. And this is a stylistic decision in the film, Jeremy. And I know that you had some trouble with this. I, I assume it's, um, if not uh, an explicit or explicit, I suppose, uh, homage <laughs> to North by Northwest. It's the same gag of mm-hmm. drowning out uh, mundane dialogue with sound effects, but there's no in North by Northwest. Uh, and right now, you know, I realize I'm comparing the director of this film to Alfred yep. Hitchcock, but I love it <laughs> in North by Northwest. Uh, they're, they're standing on a runway. So when you hear the plane sound, it's, it's very organic. You know where it is. I think you can see a plane in the background. It's, it's rear projection, but still, uh, and it makes sense because they're just talking about a plan they're just laying something out. They're filling in background. You don't need to hear it. That's the point. That's the genius of it. Here, it seems like someone forgot to, to lower a sound effect uh, in the background, and you just miss things. It took me about the third or fourth time when I realized, oh, that's on purpose, and I think it's a joke. It's a joke. That's the key. So that's the key. In this movie, it's a joke, and we're supposed to find it funny every single time. But the first time it happened in this movie, which might have been 20 minutes in or so, I didn't realize this movie was supposed to be a comedy. So I was particularly uh, confused by it. And I didn't actually figure out that it is meant to be at least somewhat, maybe a dark comedy, probably until 40 minutes in. And I'm not saying that, again, uh, to be a jerk. I just, the movie isn't funny. It's just strange. So I didn't know that I was supposed to be laughing at it. The, yeah, and the thing is, there's... There is no internal reality, which is you need in a comedy. There, the answer could be that there is no internal reality. Like, and that's the joke. You know, uh, an airplane, naked gun, where anything can kind of happen. Um, but this is not that kind of movie. And instead, it's just a like you. Ne- at one point, uh, and I feel like that's going to be most of my contributions is just bringing up <laughs> random uh, scenes. <laughs> as if it's a dream I kind of remember and I'm trying to convince someone else uh, that it was it was funny. Uh, Eric Roberts is visited in the night by a nun uh, at his front door. And she's wearing like a white bodice, um, showing leg, showing cleavage. And then she just is a nun. Did you think at first that she was a prostitute that was just supposed to be dressed as a nun? I certainly did. Yes, because like, that would have made says something about, um, you know, you're just my type or something to that end where I'm like, OK, well, this is a prostitute. No. And then she starts talking <laughs> about like Catholic dogma and, and easing his guilt. And then that's just it. There's a part of me that thinks that the, the, the director and writer were attempting to make a film that had kind of a Boonwell-esque surreality to it, where things just happened that were meant to be... Um, Mocking, well, mocking basically the facade of L.A., but uh, hence the title. But it's such a random collection of influences. And again, when you mentioned Tarantino earlier, that's one of them. 
And it's not just between the hitmen, like, having conversations about inane topics. Like, the dialogue is stylized. There isn't a lot of pop culture stuff, but it's definitely stylized in a way that you didn't see a lot of in independent films pre-Tarantino and pre-Pulp Fiction in particular. So you can feel that influence hanging over this film, but it's more than that because it's not just confusing. It's dreamlike and it's surreal and things happen, like the, the nun showing up and going on that long rant. Like, my only part of this movie that I really kind of explicitly <laughs> enjoyed which was that there's a part where for some reason these soldiers just show up at some point and one of those soldiers show up in a bar and he's telling this story about this dream that he's had about this naked woman bounding towards him on a beach and then this naked woman just suddenly turns into his commander talking about how greco-roman wrestling is uh, becoming increasingly popular in the united states played and by I, uh, the great sven ol thorson that's Glad right from abraxas I thought that that was funny, and I was like, ha, 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 I am, I am enjoying myself. Uh, and that is probably the only moment of this movie I could really say that. I actually want to turn it over to Liam to get your general thoughts. Liam, your general thoughts on Facade from 1999. Something I said to y'all was that this feels like a, like a Christopher Guest movie, but instead of it being improvised humor, there's a script and there's no jokes. Mm-hmm. But it's like that. It's not quite like, you know, um, we said airplane it's not quite airplane or even like top secret level of ridiculous but it is so farcical and yet it has to have these like narrative lines to connect so there's a number of characters who act in ways that are ridiculous right but uh in some sort of like uh magnolia style tie-up they're all from the same mental facility and they've all escaped and there's a reasonable explanation now of course of course there's no explanation for why everyone around them accepts them as people who are legitimately the people they claim to be like there's no part where we understand why eric roberts has been fooled by like i don't know a dozen of these people and just sort of goes along with it but uh (laughs) but you know there's the, the i was thinking about doug you had said that you kind of figured out this movie was funny during the scene with the police officer played by um oh i always get his middle middle name roger guinevere guinever smith guinever smith right uh and i love him uh i think he's really great uh and this scene is so awkward and strange there's this it's not helped by the fact that it's all uh adr so that it's even right. more awkward right. than it normally would be. but there's this there's a comment that eric roberts makes to him that may or may not be racist right and then he responds to the comment to his partner and it's just the joke seems to be that like, oh, I know what he's really I know what he's really saying. I know what he's really trying to say. And he says it over and over again. And I'm remembering that at this point, our man Roger had already been in deep cover. He'd already been in Poetic Justice. Yeah. He'd already been on Oz. He'd already actually done a lot, you know, Tales from the Hood, a, a ton of roles that I think are like super respectable and having him show up in this little role that feels like the joke is maybe that he's being too sensitive because he's 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 a little too sensitive because he's black you know so who you know those black folks they're a little too sensitive it's a little hard to get a read on what the right. movie is trying to say there because he does then have a speech that is drowned out by an airplane noise yeah. and his it moves his police partner or whatever to such emotion that he then picks a flower and puts it in his coat. It's one of those things where uh, it's one of those things where, and and this might be a, this might be an an opinion that people don't agree with, but I Mm -hmm. tend to think 
a farce makes more sense if I know what your angle is, where you're coming from, what your worldview or ideology is. So, like uh, another character that you that you know is confusing is uh, the misogynist daughter, this daughter who has this long speech about how women are not equal to men, and mm-hmm. you know feminism is ruining this and the other. It's this whole thing, and it's hard to interpret that speech because it's unclear what the director's viewpoint about what's happening is, right. and I feel like. Though that's a politically taught thing where we're thinking, is this man uh, who made this actually a misogynist? I think that applies to the whole fucking movie. It's hard to have a farce when we don't have a basis from which to understand the jokes. And so, like, this film again and again makes moves that you think, oh, this is a bad choice to make in the script. And then you realize, oh, you're doing it because you think it's funny. This is supposed to be funny. And... I, I I could not. Oh. There's there's I, I have that I have that one moment that you had. There's a moment where uh, our hitman from Everyone Loves Raymond uh, is being beaten up by uh, a woman, and she kicks him in the chest with her heel, and the heel gets stuck <laughs> in her chest. That moment stuck was, in his chest. In his chest, right? Mm-hmm. That moment is so top secret esque that I actually did laugh out loud at it. Like, ha yes, but. That was literally the only moment I laughed during the entire film, which now, in retrospect, I come to understand, was meant to have jokes throughout its entirety, uh, and that many of the moments that I found insufferably confusing were probably supposed to be funny, but they just weren't funny. Though mm-hmm. so I guess that's a matter of perspective, certainly. I just want to go through the plot just quickly again, since since the plot summary didn't really give you a lot of it. So as you alluded to, Jeremy, Eric Roberts plays like a real estate magnate who has a partner and his partner is um is his partner's uh girlfriend i guess you would say girlfriend or wife um used to be eric roberts girlfriend and uh he is still kind of broken up about it he feels very sore about it and eric roberts character he has now been collaborating with frederick colbert played by angus mcfaden this uh this frenchman who also likes to dress up like napoleon also into real estate and they're working together to kill eric roberts partner and eric roberts former girlfriend who's now his partner's girlfriend so what happens is they hire a hitman uh, one of them being brad garrett they go the hitman accidentally kill the partner and the partner's mistress, as we mentioned at the beginning. And that sets a chain of events, though there's not really a chain of events. There's so much extraneous material here that the plot can be summarized to the point where they didn't kill the right person. So now Eric Roberts has to find a way to kill the right person, even though he still has presumably some feelings for it. And that's the entire movie. But that is just a framework to lay on surreal quote-unquote comical sequences with characters having long conversations there is a part in this movie when they're having the funeral for this partner for the for eric Carr's partner where a priest comes out oh and, man <laughs> and he starts uh i mean talking nonsense which i guess is supposed to be funny and then we discover that he was uh escaped from this mental institution as well and then he sings a song uh liam <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, your take on uh, on some of this? Uh, actually, let me get your take specifically on this kind of subplot where there's a lot of uh, people with um, who have escaped from a mental institution pe- peppered throughout the movie. What do you think the movie's trying to say by having that happen? Well, I mean, I think I don't think there's anything more complicated that this movie's trying to do than say L.A. is filled with a bunch of loons. Yes, one hundred percent. I. You were talking about Tarantino. I get 
I get a contact high of like get shorty. Yeah. And and maybe a little Elmore Leonard like uh crime but with ordinary people trying their best. And and what what frustrated me I guess good on them. I did not see that twist coming that literally everyone uh is nuts in this movie. Um but the first time we see anybody uh who who is ostensibly different uh it's a cop that just walks out of the Hollywood Hills to stop uh, uh, hitmen, uh, Brad Garrett, and uh, what's the other actor's name? I, wrote See, I can't remember either. Yeah. Um, Joe Vitarelli, uh, who mm-hmm. you know from something. Yeah, um, you definitely do. Very familiar actor. Yes. They're just driving around and they stop in their convertible as this cop walks down to them. And at first, he just seems like an oracle of some kind because mm-hmm. he tells them one of them will die and the other will impregnate a woman named Beatrice and have a son, a son named Edward. Uh, and then they just kind of look at him dumbfounded and drive away. And for a second, I thought we're going, we're going into uh, uh, low rent Lynch territory here. Sure. And I was excited. Um, and then around the bend, you just see a van with orderlies saying, Hey, have you seen that crazy guy? He's acting like a cop. And that's what kind of uh, annoyed me. That was the explanation for every weird thing in this movie. And, it almost kind of undercuts it because you're not saying like, look at all these crazy people walking around. You're saying they are literally crazy and would not ordinarily be out, but there was an escape. And the problem is the people that aren't ostensibly crazy, like Eric Roberts are just as strange in their own ways as the crazy people. Uh, again, he just meets a nun in the middle of the night and, and reveals his history to her and they do have sex multiple times and he lets her swim topless in his pool and he doesn't see anything weird about this. I guess maybe that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. For all of the weirdness, there is no one in it that stops to look from far enough away to say, man, that's weird. Even Eric Roberts is posing for the Frenchman uh, uh, to draw him on his his tent atop the Hollywood Hills beneath a chandelier hanging from nothing uh, while dressed as Napoleon. It's it's all strange. There is no relief. Uh, there's a part in this film, uh, and I'm going to get your take on this first, Liam, where Eric Roberts tells a story, uh, kind of apropos of nothing, where he and his partner are driving through the city, and they have these Cuban cigars and they see a homeless person and they think that, hey, well, let's throw these Cuban cigars to the homeless person. He could sell them for money. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a mix of, of uh, motivations here, but they throw it out the window. They don't, they don't ask him to come up to the window. They just throw them out the window and they say, hey, they're Cubans. And he goes over and picks up the Cuban cigars. And then they look back as they drive off and he gets hit by a car, Liam. Uh, why is that in the movie? I... Doug, I this is the this is again, I, I know I'm simplifying here, but I think that's part of the point, right? Like, is that meant to be funny? Well, I could know if I felt like I had any read on the perspective of this, you know, it's <clears throat> this is a weird analogy, but go with me on this, right? You guys are familiar with the Disney film Mulan, right? Yes. Well, somewhat, yes. It's based off of a actual uh 
text from China, like a mm-hmm. real legend, right? And what's interesting is in the in the film, it feels more progressive in a lot of ways to people. But in the original story, there's no love interest. The story's just the you know young woman doesn't want her father to go to war. She goes to war for him. She becomes one of the greatest warriors who ever lived. Comes home and lives again with her parents. That's it. There's no no man intervenes. There's no love interest. She just does her thing. And so from a surface reading, you could say the original thousands year old legend of Milan is way more feminist and empowering than the Disney movie, except for the part where a lot of scholars go, unless it's a joke, it might supposed to be funny, right? Because it might be that the very idea that this could happen is so ridiculous that it's funny. And in fact, this happens with a lot of ancient texts. I would argue, as you know, uh, as you like to make fun of, I'm vaguely religion adjacent. I don't make fun of it, Liam. It's one of the things all I the, think is all most the ta- interesting. All the time it. you make fun of it. And I think there are parts of the Bible that are supposed to be funny and we don't get the joke anymore. And so we read it as serious because we don't understand that actually it's ridiculous. And so um, I think... Knowing the perspective and the context from which you are coming helps to get for you to get a joke, helps for you sure. to understand why it's funny. And what's weird is 1999, not that fucking long ago. It's not history that is keeping us from understanding the jokes of this movie. It's the fact that it's unclear what the perspective of the movie is, much as uh, Jeremy was just saying, there's no one who looks at the camera and goes, can you believe this thing? <laughs> but the, but that's true the whole film. It doesn't have to be a character. If there could be any grounding moment, we might understand that this stuff is supposed to be funny but literally you have to use your own sense of logic to go well that has to be a joke right it has to be it has to be a joke but like technically there's no moment that affirms for you yes this is a joke there's that just never fucking happens and it's so disconcerting the entire film. it kind of sounds to me like you need your handheld when uh, no i really fucking don't that's why it's so crazy to me liam as a as a religious scholar this part with the nun what was your take on that um, it, it wasn't as interesting. I actually think what's more interesting was the crazy priest guy because some of what he was saying, I was like, this sounds like stuff that people were writing in 1990. I mean, he was basically quoting at times Bishop Spong and other like new liberal people. And I thought enough that I thought was the person who wrote this movie actually satirizing, you know, liberal religious scholars. And I thought, how the fuck would I know? There's no context to anything in this movie. <laughs> How about at the end when the nun says that religion is the opiate of the masses, and then she says that's the only thing Marx got right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe that yeah, that's our explicit answer as to some some perspective. <laughs> I don't know. Again, e- e- even if she, it's it's all about the mental hospital. Everyone's from the mental hospital, and I'm just like, what a fucking. You already are making a farcical film. You really need this cop out for every interesting part of your movie. It's I don't know. <laughs> Jeremy well, it ends on none of the main characters, right? Right. Because no one in that institution is a main character. But that's who we get to see have a happy ending. What happens to our main character in this film, played by Eric Roberts, uh, Jeremy? <laughs> um. Uh, well, depends on your perspective. Case could uh-huh. be made. Uh, he plays cowboys and Indians with uh, the hitman played by Joe Vitarelli. <laughs> And they uh-huh. just keep uh, flailing guns at each other and then flinching slightly off beat um, <laughs> until one of them gets tired and falls down, and then so does the other. It There's really no way to explain how incompetent this sequence is. For a movie that has, it's allegedly a crime thriller out of the drama comedy. I don't know what, but there's so little violence 
and all of it is handled so bad. Yeah. Um, because it at the end, Eric Roberts has has uh, uh, resigned himself that he's going to die, and the hitman is going to come kill him. And I, I posted a picture of it on Twitter the other day. The look on his face when he realizes that uh, he's probably going to die, that someone's coming to kill him. It's the most zen-like piece I've seen on someone's face, uh, <laughs> which is not what he's supposed to be feeling. And then the guy gets there, and he manages to trick uh, the hitman into kind of being buddies. And from two feet away, <laughs> while the hitman is turned, Eric Roberts pulls a gun and shoots at him and misses. And so he runs outside. The hitman, clearly upset, follows him. And on... Uh, the the tennis court outside they just kind of take turns from two different angles shaking the gun and there's a gunshot sound effect no blanks no muzzle flashes in post and then no the blood. other one yeah. jumps yeah. <laughs> and then that one shoots and the other one jumps um there are cuts they could have wiped their hands with stage blood and just you know smacked themselves when they got shot and we would never have known but no like you see all of Eric Roberts, his shirt completely unsullied. Yeah, as he falls from the ground, it uh, feels like an intentional with... choice. It absolutely does. Yeah, uh, and like he get, they both get shot like ten times, um, and they just kind of fall to their knees and, and die. That's that's the grand exit. So, what is this movie trying to say, Jeremy? <laughs> I. I, that's I, by, by the way. You, that's the grand exit for those characters. That, as you've already mentioned, it's not the ending of the movie. The ending of the movie f- focuses on characters that we were not the main characters, and honestly, that we couldn't possibly have cared about. But uh, it just ends with the mental hospital and all the characters kind of. Well, and, being and okay. Well, let me ask this: the mm-hmm. the ostensible main character. I keep using that because everything is alleged or ostensible in this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Caroline. Um, I don't know the name of, of the actress who plays her, but I know Camilla Caroline. That's the one name in the okay. That's the one name in the synopsis. Um, she escapes uh, uh, her would be killers and runs into the hills with a gun and finds a random woman walking a dog and takes the woman hostage at gunpoint to get her out of there. The woman takes her up to some hill. Everything's on a hill in this movie, but to a hilltop oasis of other very fashionable women mm-hmm. who over the course of an evening just end up, you know, uh, uh, girl talking. I'm not reducing it, but that's clearly how it's written. Uh, you, yeah, know, you don't absolutely. need that guy. And like they give her booze and they let her try on lingerie. And ride and, horses. Well, she doesn't ride a horse. She just wants to watch. They offer. They say, yeah. would you like to ride our horses? That's right. um, and then they give her a wig. Um, <laughs> and that's just kind of the end of her story. Like, she took someone hostage at gunpoint. And the person that she took, this hostage, ended up kind of uh, giving her a renewed sense of, of girl power and that she doesn't need Eric Roberts. And that's kind of the end of her story. And sorry, your question is... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I realized as I got to the end of it, uh, maybe that's the point. Is like life, there is no lesson here. It's just a bunch of strange people pinballing off of one another. If the final message is that this movie is uh, confusing, and 
I guess in the end, kind of useless because it's trying to reflect life, then maybe it's a little bit smarter than I gave it credit for. Let us talk about Eric Roberts as Colin Wentworth. Uh, he has a unique look for Eric Roberts in this film. He not only has his lovely, luscious uh, head of hair, but also a, a sporting a beard in this film. Very unique uh, for us here on Eric Roberts the fucking man. Liam O'Donnell, what did you think, A, of Eric Roberts' look, and B, Eric Roberts' performance in 1999's Facade? I, I mean I love the look I, the the beard and uh, feathered hair thing is mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is a look and as we've noted before he's wearing his signature uh, 1997 to 2002 <laughs> pipe pants you know like the yeah. big pleated pants with suspenders sure. every film he's in during those years he seems to be wearing these pants which I vaguely remember being popular in like 1998 but I don't remember being popular uh just a couple years later and yet <laughs> oh man he's he's stuck with that look and I love it I love that much of it as far as his actual performance it's fine it's <sighs> I mean it's impossible this is an impossible role right I right mean, it, I mean, he's there are what I don't (laughs) like about the performance is what he's supposed to be doing. The the, what the character does is act cute at multiple times when it is inappropriate for him to be acting cute. Sure. And Eric Roberts does that. And I think that's what he's supposed to be doing. It's not like I, I don't think he's doing anything not called for by the role. But I find the role so like weird and frustrating that maybe I feel somewhat negative towards his performance which is probably unfair i think he's probably doing the best he can but we don't get any of our like eric roberts isms in this at all the things that i really love about him as an actor don't really come through here i feel like he could have you know uh done this uh whatever three four days they shot this uh he could have done it all just like you know, hitting his hitting his. Well, there were no vape pens at the time, but get, <laughs> getting a little high and coasting along, he would have been fine in this movie. You know, it, 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 there's just not. It just doesn't ask very much of him as an actor. I mean, he does have to bring a certain level of charm, which is actually somewhat inappropriate because uh, he is the uh, a villain of the yeah, piece, right? Yeah, he is trying to kill. Uh, I mean, his partner's supposed to be an asshole, so I guess we're supposed to relate to him somewhat, but. His his ex girlfriend seems like she's a perfectly fine person, so it's a little bit confusing. I would say the mime inspired shootout at the end is the most acting he's doing in the film. <laughs> I mean, I think that's fair enough. Jeremy, your thoughts on Eric Roberts and his decision to wear a shirt that was the same color as his tie? <laughs> um, I I appreciate the way he looks in it. He looks like he's playing Jesus in a seventies Technicolor <laughs> epic. Um, and it suits him. It really does. Uh. As you said, he's wearing, you know, um, a cut of suit that can only be described as billowy. Yes. Uh, Almost zoot. Almost zoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's borderline zoot. Um, and that's that's one of the IMDb tags for this movie. Uh, but it's... Um, so I'm looking at my notes halfway through, before I knew the twist, uh, and let this be a credit to my, my senses uh, of perception, I wrote... Uh, everyone seems medicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, a lot of that was about Eric Roberts because he he really does just kind of ooze through the movie. Like nothing really affects him. Even his death seems to just kind of be horsing around. Uh, there's a part. His, so his tragic backstory is that, and he, he explains it as best he can, that he once told his dad when he was a kid that he loved him and his dad just laughed at him 
<laughs> and this like ruined him as a human being. Um, but in the story, the dad laughs as just sort of a, well, wait, is it the, the dad laughs at him or his mom told his dad that she loved him and he laughed he, at her. He told his mom and his dad laughed at him. Oh, oh, okay. He said to his mom, I love you. And his dad burst into laughter and walked out of the room. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's way more confusing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad. So really that just justifies my confusion. Like what an odd dynamic to have an actor explain. Um, but he tells that story. So there's a recurring uh, uh, trauma for him of trying to tell this woman, Caroline, that he loves her. Uh, and she either doesn't hear or ignores him or whatever. And the, one of the moments that legitimately got a laugh out of me, she's about to leave a party. And he says from a like a ways away, loud enough then that other people must hear him, uh, that he loves her. He says, you know, I love you. And she looks back at him and says, thank you for the directions and leaves. <laughs> and then he kind of turns back toward the camera and this should break this man. And all he says is, oh, man, uh, with the same conviction uh, as someone who just found out the frosty machine is broken. Um, and that was that was like the first hint as to what maybe Eric Roberts was doing. Like, I doubt the directors said a word to him in terms of performance. And so anything went, which you could probably explain every choice in this movie by, but um, I appreciate it. I mean, it's not a great performance, but I don't think it a great performance by anyone in this movie was possible given, right. given the pieces. There's a there's another moment I want to point out when he knows there's been a murder, but he hasn't been officially told yet, and he's acting out being upset in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. And the moment is supposed to be funny, right? But the way he plays it, you could have put that moment in a film that was meant to be dramatic, and it would have sure. played the same way. He seems like an ice-cold killer, and then in other moments, he seems like a ridiculous comedic fop, you know? And I just think the movie just doesn't know what to do with him, and therefore he doesn't know what to do in the movie. Because like when I was watching that scene, I'm like, I think this is supposed to be funny, and instead, I'm a little uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh I think we have succeeded in making this film seem a lot more interesting than it actually is when you're watching it, but it has brought us to the very theme, the very concept behind this podcast, which is whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1999's uh, facade. Going to start with our uh, guest today, Jeremy, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? I would have to say um, yes, because he's the only one for me that escapes unscathed from facade just because it does seem um, it's, he seems like he has the same vibe as Matthew McConaughey does in like the Doritos commercials <laughs> where, you know, he's not taking this seriously, but instead of a, a 30 second ad spot, this is a full movie that he must've spent several days around. Uh, and it, it, it really teeters between, did he read the script? Did he understand it? Uh, I don't want to say did he care because that's always a rough argument to make. Absolutely, um, but he showed up, uh, and he's honest. The, he's to me the funniest, consistent thing in this movie. Liam O'Donnell, moving over to you, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? 
I think usually with this kind of performance, I lean towards no, but I kind of agree that like he's the most memorable part of the movie in a movie where multiple characters. Okay, I will say, uh, what's the name of the actor who plays the Frenchman who's not actually French? He turns out That's to be a, Scottish. That is oh, Angus yeah, spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Spo- spoilers. Oh, my God. Uh, and, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I think of him as the guy who played Orson Welles in The Cradle Will Rock because that's the right. only thing I know about him. Um, he's okay. He's actually kind of ridiculous the whole movie, and it's it's okay. Outside of him, it's really just him and Eric Roberts who come out of this thing being like, they're all right. It's fine. You know, <laughs> Everyone else, I feel like, probably saw this movie and thought, oh, God. What have I done? And so, you know, I, I got to say he is the man. But but it's a tight it's a tight rope. I think if I don't know. Sorry, Liam, he's, he's the fucking man. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think he's the fucking man. But again, you know, I, I just I don't want that to come across as and therefore our our true Eric Roberts has out there should seek this movie out. <laughs> I still think this is a skippable film, even though I think he's the fucking man in it. I, I don't even think you need to have make that qualification at this point in the history of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Yes, of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1999's Facade. A very unusual movie. Uh, I would actually describe it as irritating. It's a very irritating movie to watch <laughs> yes. because it has a lot of irritating characters doing irritating things. And then it throws in a bunch of random shit just to make you confused and feel like you've wasted your time. And that's what we all did. Wasted our time watching 1999's facade but what's not a waste is listening to eric roberts is the fucking man particularly when we have a great guest like jeremy herbert jeremy thank you so much for taking the time to join us to talk about facade and other eric roberts related things where can people find you and your work on the internet well thank you for inviting me uh into your blood oath for for a, a day uh you're lucky you on... get to escape it <laughs> well yeah you know it's not it's a vacation for me sorry for you guys uh but and pretty much anywhere on social media, you can find me at D-Day Films, short for Dangerous Days Productions. But, you know, now I'm just D-Day Films. That, that ship has sailed. Uh, you know, I write about movies. I post, I write about theme parks. Anything you, you could want to read from me, uh, you'll find in those places. Jeremy is a pro follow on social media, and I would highly recommend oh, wow. that you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I will, of course, link uh, uh, where you can find him in our show notes today. I strongly recommend following. Uh, you know who I also strongly recommend following? I guess I'll say Liam O'Donnell. Liam, what are you up to? What's Cinepunk's up to? Where can people find you online? I mean, nothing good. Just, I would say, avoid it altogether, honestly. Please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they can find Cinepunks over at Cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, where they'll find the latest episodes of this podcast as well as, you know, a whole team of podcasts. We recently featured uh, our, um, I guess, basically our oldest sponsor, uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, the the head of that uh, company Chris Reject was a guest on the most recent Cinepunks, and it was a great conversation. Can't talk- believe you featured a film starring Terry Funk without having me back on to talk about it. It was Chris's. It was Chris's choice, and he uh, hated it, and really only picked it because it featured wrestling. That was the only reason he picked the film. And it turns out that movie sucks. So that's yeah. that's how that goes. Uh, but we also talked about Hell Comes to Frogtown, a movie I love. So it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag that episode. Uh, we also just recently did our hundredth episode of Horror Business, uh, and there's a new episode of uh, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe that I think is worth your time as well. So head on over to Cinepunks.com. Check those out. Um, they can also find Cinepunks on social media, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X on Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram. We're all there. Uh, and they can also follow us, Doug, this show, Cinema Smorgasbord, on Twitter, Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G, at Cinema Smorg. Uh, and they can head over to our website to dive into the archive of not just uh, this show, Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man Redux, but a whole family of shows focused on Steve Buscemi, uh, exploring uh, genre cinema festivals, uh, uh, getting into Eurocrime films. We, we cover, it's sort of a cinema variety show over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. True. And you can, of course, also follow Liam on Twitter. That's Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. But if you really want to have a good time, you can follow me on Twitter. That's Doug <laughs> underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. I'm also going to throw a, uh, a strong recommendation to roughcutfanclub.com to find the latest Rough Cut t-shirts that uh, you are part of putting together, Liam. Got some real awesome ones that are out there at the moment. A lot of great ones that you can purchase through that website. Head over there. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But for now, gentlemen... I must take my leave of you. We must take our leave of you, listeners. We'll be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Good night.